I'm Tanner Scott, and you are listening to Secrets to Scale. If you want to scale your business, you've come to the right place because this podcast is all centered around hearing successful stories from successful people and uncovering their secrets to scaling their businesses. This week on the show, Eric Espinoza from Coconut VA joins me to discuss how to become a delegation master by using automation software and virtual assistants. I really enjoyed this interview with Eric, so stick around to learn how to work on your business rather than in your business. Welcome to the show, Eric. I'm really excited to have you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Thanks, Tanner. Uh, so I do a couple of things. Um, CEO of Coconut VA and also co-founder of Venture Validator. Um, been a professor at BYU in their entrepreneurship program. And uh, yeah, always up to something new in entrepreneurship. That's awesome, man. So how did you get started in entrepreneurship? Have you always been an entrepreneur? What's your story? Uh, failure, 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 <laughs> always up to something new. Um, in college, I had, uh, over I think 12 or, or 13 different business ideas that I looked into actually pursuing. Some took nine months to invalidate other ones took three. I had won competitions. I got, I think $25,000 in, uh, prize money in, in different business competitions, uh, different funding opportunities. Uh, and that kind of led from one thing to another, and I eventually found my passion was validating business models, going and doing the grunt work to find out, is there a product market fit? Do people actually want this? Who wants this product? And from that, I started a side hustle as a consulting firm. And that kind of developed into a full-time thing. And hence was born Venture Validator, which is a market research firm for startups. And yeah, the rest kind of boiled into Coconut VA, which is a virtual assistant staffing firm. We've built our business venture validator off of using virtual assistants from the Philippines. And so naturally we help entrepreneurs with their ideas, bring it from idea on a napkin to MVP. But then when you start scaling, you need people to run that. And most people don't know how to do that. And so we kind of got into that and it's kind of progressed there. And I, I don't know, maybe if you interview me in a year or two, we'll be doing something for companies that are exiting. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. So so what advice would you give to your younger self, you know, going back to that process of validating all of those ideas that you had? Learn to delegate. I was the lone wolf entrepreneur all through school. I, I thought that I could do it better. I could do it faster than other people. And I'd get frustrated that they wouldn't do things um, the way that I thought they needed to be done. And so I hated group projects. I hated anything that involved other people. Um, sometimes I'd have one co-founder, but it'd be someone that had a completely opposite skill set that I couldn't even manage them on. And what I've since learned is that anything can be delegated. Anything can be taught. Um, and if you just come with the mindset that everything that you come to a conclusion of as an expert is just a framework that is so automatic that you've seen how the whole decision tree works out, you just come to a conclusion. If you can come with a framework that if I write that out on paper and map it out, 
I can teach anyone to come to that same decision. Maybe not as quick, but they have all the paperwork to go do that. You're now working yourself out of a job. I wish I knew that, but I had to go through a lot of the bottleneck experience of having my hands in everything before I finally learned that lesson. Yeah. And that's something that tons of entrepreneurs have issues with. And those are typically the, the business owners that get stuck in their business, right? Which obviously no one starts their business to be working on it hundred hours a week, every single week for the rest of their lives. Right. So yeah, learning to delegate is extremely crucial if you want to scale, but more importantly, it's, it's how you get your freedom that you want, right? That's why we start our businesses so that we can get the freedom to do what we want. And if we're the ones doing all the work, then that's going to be pretty hard to achieve. So Eric, what would you attribute your success to? Uh, Not having a fear to fail. I think it's the biggest thing, but then with the failures that I've had, it's don't swing so hard that you put yourself out of the game. So I think those are probably the, the biggest thing that you and I were talking before for this podcast and, and so many people don't know what they're passionate about. They don't know what career they want to do. Just go try something, go try everything. And I think that my willingness just to go talk with people and go try new businesses and get experience has led to a very wide variety of skill sets that um, ultimately putting them all together, a CEO has to be able to know how to do every single job in the business. The trick is not to be the best person at that job. I'm the worst person at venture validator for each individual task, but I can now train someone else how to do it and they become better and faster than I am. So yeah, I, I think that that would be my secret. Yeah. And, and that's a good point. Uh, if you're the best at doing something in your company, then you have a problem, right? <laughs> like the smartest person in the room syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Let's let's talk about Venture Validator for a little bit. What were some obstacles that you faced while you were trying to grow that? Yeah, I tons. <laughs> we we had a lot of issues. Again, it was my my first startup that really got off the ground. I had some previous that had kind of fizzled out, but I was building a platform for market research for people who had an idea on a napkin. How do we go test if it has product market fit? So in other words, four out of 10 businesses fail because not enough people want your product. How do we find that out before you've put hundred thousand, a million dollars into building something that nobody really wants? We were trying to solve that problem. And we had problems like, okay, we were surveying people. How do we get accurate data from that? What's the process for that? And we'd figured out solutions for that and where we get survey data Facebook changed rules on us. So we built our, our business on rented land and the rug got ripped out from under us. So I learned a lesson there. Um, other big things is like, we kept building systems too soon with not enough data. So I'm, I'm very observational. And when I would have five clients ask for the same thing, I would project that out to, oh, all clients must want that. And we would build a system for that. And we were building too much instead of just getting out there and selling more because I didn't want to be working those 80 hour weeks on operations. And my fault was that we should have just done operations 80 hours a week for six months and then figure out, okay, what are the actual patterns that are repeatable? Now go build your systems. Um, And so, yeah, we just had a lot of uh, 
trying to figure out how to increase the volume with our systems, but then going and finding the volume for customers. That's kind of a game of cat and mouse and knowing when to ramp up and when to just take on the extra workload is a little bit of a skill that comes with, with time and with experience. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a really hot topic today talking about delegation, but with VAs, virtual assistants, or software. So let's start things off with maybe explaining what a virtual assistant is. I mean, I think it's safe to assume that most people know what that is, but just in case. Yeah, it's, I, I, I hate the name virtual assistant because I think today people think of, oh, is it like Amazon Alexa or Siri or something like that? Remote worker is a better um, word. And really explaining to people, it's quite simple. With the pandemic, you can, we all learned that we can work from home. And then people say, well, if I can work from home, why can't I work out of the state? And the next natural progression is, well, if somebody can work out of the state, why can't they work out of the country? And so really uh, a virtual assistant is just someone who is working remotely. And we use Filipino virtual assistants. So those are people from the Philippines that are working typically US hours. And uh, it's only costing you 10 to $15 an hour, no payroll taxes, no other expenses. So it becomes like you're using someone who would be $25 an hour in the US, but you're paying less than half the price for that. And that allows you now to invest in the person's education and start giving them opportunities that are really beneficial for them and are really beneficial for you as a business owner. So, so what can you delegate with software and what would you need to bring in a VA for? Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of people, I mean, there's, there's, there's automation and there's delegation. Automation goes first. Anything you can automate in your life, you should do. I'll actually turn down quite a few clients that aren't using automation habits and techniques because I can just tell that their life is so disorganized that they're not going to be able to utilize a virtual assistant. So rule number one, go to automation. Biggest thing people have problems with is their emails and setting appointments. If you don't have something like a Calendly to set your appointments, you're wasting so much time in your inbox going back and forth and so many days between meetings. I mean, at Venture Validator, we had uh, calendar invites and we used Calendly and you can set rules in there, but I would let people set meetings two weeks out. Naturally, what does every entrepreneur do? They wanna postpone something because they're busy because they're disorganized. So they would book a meeting two weeks out every time it was the 14th day. And with Coconut VA, we put meetings, you can book five business days out and we make the meeting shorter. And you can have all these rules in there and people are now doing same day or second day meetings, which means that your sales cycle went from two weeks to two days. You can put the throughput a whole lot more. And that's something that costs like eight or $9 a month. So things like calendar scheduling, like why would you not, why do you not have that automated in your life beyond me? Yeah. And another thing too, is I don't understand why some people get offended when someone sends them a calendar link. Like it makes everyone's lives easier on both sides. Because sometimes I feel like, you know, if I get a lead coming in and I need to reach out to the prospect, you know, I've got automation set up so they can schedule their own consultation, but sometimes they don't. And if I reach out to them, I feel like I'm being too pushy if I send them the link again. Here's a cool trick. Uh, Calendly specifically, if you're sending times through emails, you can go ahead and pick a couple of times in your calendar 
that would work for them. So like if you and I wanted to meet and I knew that you had availability Friday, I can click in there and put uh, one o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, and let's put some times on Monday and 10 o'clock and noon. I can paste that into uh, my email to you and it'll actually show up and it'll have little buttons and you can click whichever day and time that you want to set right there and it automatically books it. So you don't have to actually jump into a different portal and go match your calendar. It's a lot easier. And I found that you can get people to respond to those type emails because you're doing the work for them within like an hour, two hours, because you're taking the decision in the drag of, oh, I got to go into another calendar software. That, that's really interesting. I've never even seen that. Um, I, I don't use Calendly. I use the appointment scheduler for my CRM, mm-hmm. which is Infusionsoft, but there are a lot of limitations with that. So I've really been considering moving to Calendly, but you know, it's just another subscription to add to the list, right? <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about VAs. What's the most important thing that you need to get right if you're going to hire a VA? First thing, I think probably what country you're getting them from, how you're compensating them, and then just making sure that you're aware how to manage and and delegate to them. So we're very biased in only hire Filipino virtual assistants. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one is probably the language. The Filipino culture is very Americanized um, and they have Netflix and Hulu and they binge watch that. And those are the best virtual assistants because they, they get our colloquialisms. I always tell our clients, if you ever feel frustrated when you're communicating to your VA, game over. You're not going to, you're not going to feel the trust needed to delegate things to them. And now it becomes a burden on you. And so making sure that they have really good English, um, is a must. And then that it's American English. And then I think after that, making sure that you test them out. So we do a, a, a 20 hour trial period at Coconut VA because you can interview people, you can see some of their, their resumes, but you really don't know until you put them on a test. And we find that a 20 hour trial period, so one week of four hours a day is a really good test. But what people don't know, what our clients don't know is we are testing out the entrepreneur's ability to delegate as much as we are for the VA's ability to perform. And we can often find that the entrepreneur just doesn't have their life together enough that they're not ready for a VA, but they found that out for like $250 and don't have to go into a whole three month contract and all the hiring process and all those things that also have to be right in order to have a good fit. Yeah. And, that, and that's a good point because, you know, you can't just hire a VA and expect them to just handle all of your tasks. I mean, what, what kind of training is involved and to what extent do you need to have documented processes for the VA once you bring them on? That's a really good question. So I think first just understanding that you need to pick the, the, the cherry out of all of the apples. Who, who is the best one? So we'll actually screen through probably 200 applicants to find that top-notch virtual assistant who can act just as, as well as an American can. So you have to work with really, really good talent. Starting with that, they likely already have experience being a virtual assistant and in your industry. So a lot of times... I was on a call the other day with the founder who was trying to have her virtual assistant, his virtual assistant do lead generation. And he was walking through the process of how to do that. And I was kind of shaking my head because this girl has three years experience of doing lead generation. 
And I was like, you know, she could probably teach you how to do this. She's so much better. <laughs> and he realized that after, after two days, he's like, she had, I, I had two weeks of tasks for her to do. And she just finished it in two days. And so wow. that's that you have to find someone that can just really grasp things and they have experience, but there are new tasks that you're teaching them all the time. And what I tell entrepreneurs is it looks very daunting when you start with a task and you look forward and you say, what are all the things that I need to do to teach a person how to do this? That's very daunting. Instead, go do that task and then look backwards. So it is always easier for you to go do a task one more time than it is to go teach someone how to do it, which is why you never delegate. Go do that one more time. But now look back at it and say, okay, take five minutes. What were the steps that you took to go do that task? And you'll come up with a list of five steps. And now the next time you have your VA do that, but the trick is it's never going to be perfect and that's okay. But that's a living instruction document. So whenever they made a mistake, you say, oh, there's actually seven steps to this. Let me go add those on. And that third time, it's usually a pretty smooth process. Yep. And that's exactly what I would recommend for documenting any internal processes, whether it's a VA or any other type of employee. And I would probably take it a step further and say, you know, if you're going to create a process or something, it's a lot easier to just create processes as you're doing something rather than looking back and trying to take notes. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll actually take a screen share recording of my computer while I'm doing a specific task. So that's easy to refer back to so I can make the steps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's way easier to do it as you're doing it. And that way, you know, that it's really thorough. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to make that point, but let's, let's talk about software again. Um, we talked about Calendly and appointment scheduling, you know, what are, what are some other examples of what you might automate with software? Okay. Project management. This I'm super passionate about this. If you don't have something like a monday.com, like an Asana, you are living life to like, you can only be as productive as your systems are. Yes. <laughs> Everyone has a natural cap in, in my systems, actually my, my personal life systems have a lot of productivity capacity, but I capped out on them. I now I now have two businesses that I'm running. So I need to have more capacity in the system. So I had to relook at things and say, okay, how do I build a better system? Monday.com for us is absolutely essential in our business running smoothly. And I mean, people use Trello. Trello is cool. It has some integration stuff. I don't think it's nearly as powerful as something like a Monday. Um, but there's a, a thing called Zapier. There's Zaps that you can connect different softwares. Literally every time somebody books an appointment to sets, um, sends in an application, um, anything should go into one dashboard that is connected with all of your information, all of your processes are in there, all the automations, literally you can run your life off of monday.com. And when you can do that, you just become the visionary and your virtual assistants become the operators. And that is, I mean, that's, that's the day. Yeah. And that's what we should all be striving for as founders, right? I love Monday and I would never use anything but Monday. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing what you can do with it. I mostly use it to remind me of everything because I would literally forget everything if I didn't have a reminder set up for everything, which is pretty, pretty insane, but you shouldn't rely on your memory. No, no, because you, it's stupid. It is the stupidest thing ever to rely on your memory because think of it like 
you have a capacity in your brain to, to juggle so many balls. And if you were wasting your, let's say you can juggle 12 balls. If you're wasting some of those balls on, I'm, I'm trying to remember that I've got an appointment coming up next week and I've got to run payroll on this day. You are holding things that could just be put onto a calendar or onto monday.com with automatic reminders. And if you can free yourself of that stuff, then all of a sudden you have the capacity to worry about a lot more important things that are more visionary type role. And that's, that's what you're getting paid to do at your startup. It's, it's not to be the operators, to be the visionary. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. And Zapier, I use religiously. You know, I, if I do one task, I think, how can I automate this? <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's so important. And, you know, that's something that we help clients out with is setting up automations and building some of the same systems that we've built. It's gotten to the point where I will not sign up for a SaaS product unless it has integrations with everything else that I'm using, because if it doesn't, then what's the point? Right. Right. I love that. So Eric, what would you say your secrets to scale are? Okay. So you have to understand what the model is of taking an idea to a startup to exit and when to do the right thing at the right time. If I were to summarize this in 45 seconds, it would be go test your idea and make sure it has predicted product market fit. And very simple how to do that. Actually, if anyone goes onto my website, there's a free do-it-yourself course on how to do that. But essentially you're taking your idea to 100, 200 customers presenting in a very specific way and you're asking them on a scale of one to 10, what's the wow factor? And how likely they would buy it. 10 being, wow, I want to buy that right now. One being, not very interested. If you get over a 7.5 on that, you've got predicted product market fit. Okay, now go build an MVP. You go build some prototype, you get some customer feedback, you get some reaction. They like some parts, they don't like other parts. Okay, once you're getting something that you're delivering and you have actual product market fit, not predicted, but actual, then don't scale, build. But don't build too much. You're doing this game game where you're dancing and you're saying, let me build a little bit of systems and then let me get more client intake. Let me do a little bit more systems and figure out, okay, this is actually some problems I need to solve. And then let me go ahead and have some more clients. As you're doing that, like you said, every time you're doing a task repeatedly, you're now saying, how can I either automate this or delegate this? Building up those systems are going to be what makes you be able to scale smoothly. So many people talk about scaling and just either raising money or taking a lot of money and pouring in advertising. If you do that too early, you literally bust your company mm -hmm. and now you have a really bad reputation. So the secret to scaling is the build phase, which is right prior to that. And the secret to building that is don't build until you know you have product market fit or you're gonna be building the most beautiful system for the most ugly business idea. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Eric. Uh, so many people overlook that and, you know, everyone, everyone wants the overnight success of, you know, selling million dollars worth of products or services. But in reality, you know, if for most startups that would cripple them, like you said, without having all of the processes and foundation for the business to fulfill on that you will literally go out of business for, from getting too many sales. And there's actually, uh, I can't remember who it is. I think it's Tim Ferriss. He was talking about uh, one of his friend's businesses on his podcast and 
they sold, they had so many sales that they went out of business. It's crazy. It's insane. So Eric, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you think might benefit the audience? Uh, you know, I think this kind of goes back to, to a little pre-podcast conversation you're, you and I are having of, of why people start businesses. It's not to work in them. It's, it's to work on them. And uh, we, we have an initiative at Coconut VA to vacation laptopless. And that's kind of the challenge that I give to um, these listeners is when you go on vacation, give your time to your family. Don't, don't bring your laptop. Don't, you're not so important in your business that things are going to completely break by the time you, you, you get back from vacation. So if anybody wants, um, I've, I've got, I think on our website, we have a free guide on how to set up things so that when you go on vacation, you do not have to check email. You do not have to check any of your monday.com automations or anything, and you can completely disconnect. And I just did that last month. My wife and I went to Greece for two weeks and it was amazing. I, the only way you can reconnect with family is fully disconnecting with business and startup. I mean, I've been doing startups last five years. Both of my startups felt like a thing of the past after like day five. It's like, wow, that feels almost like a past life. I, I feel like now that I'm not in these day-to-day fires of what's happening, I got to reconnect and just realize, okay, what do I really want in life? And obviously it's relationships and, and being able to spend time with my family completely disconnected is like the best thing that a founder can do. And then when you get back to your business, you start building a different business so you can go do that again. Yep. Great point. So Eric, what's a good way for anyone listening to get in contact with you? Uh, just send me an email, eric at coconutva.com. Um, I write tons of LinkedIn posts, giving tips on how to automate and delegate. So follow me there. Awesome, man. We'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. And thank you again. Thank you for listening to another episode of Seekers to Scale. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. This episode is sponsored by Ranksy Digital Marketing. If you need any help at all growing your business online, we would love to help you. Just visit our website at ranksy.com. That's R-A-N-K-S-E-Y.com.